So if you have it, uh, say amen. amen. For those of you who don't have it, it's on the screens, or you can use your digital devices, whatever you choose to use. Let's read these two verses together. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Today, by these scriptures and other scriptures and aid of the Holy Spirit, I want to preach to you from this subject, free motions. <laughs> free motions. Everybody said, it's time for me to be emotionally free. You may, you may be seated in the presence of God. Now, I need to give a public service announcement for guys. As soon as we hear the word emotion, we generally cut our minds off. But guys, I don't want you to cut your minds off today because it's important that all of us learn how to use our emotions in a proper, proper way. Many times we've been stigmatized because when we think of emotions, we always think of crying and we always think of other things. And we've been taught as men, uh, when, when Susie drops down to the ground, we say, oh, Susie, it's going to be okay. When we drop and scrape our knee, we hear, shut up, get up. It's going to be all right. Men don't cry and things like that. And I don't trust a man that don't cry. When, when people don't cry, those become killers and serial killers and things like that. So it's important for us to be in touch with who we are. That doesn't mean we're effeminate or feminine, but it's important to be able to look at our emotions because all of us have them. And it's important, especially for men, pull up Proverbs 16 and 32. They'd already put it on the screen because I want you to see how important uh, emotions are. Proverbs 16 uh, and 32. Let's read that together. What does it say? Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. In other words, one one version says that one who rules his spirit or one who has control over his emotions. <laughs> because whether you know it or not, all of us have emotions and emotions in themselves are not bad things. But sometimes when we don't know how to manage our emotions, they can put us in quite a predicament. I remember going to the Yazoo City Fair with my daughter. And for some reason, I've learned that the younger we are, we're daredevils. We used, when I was young, we used to jump and get on BMX bikes and jump off hills and stuff that could have killed us. But the older we got, we started thinking about things that could get us hurt. And yesterday I was getting down off a set of risers at Mia's basketball tournament and I stopped to judge the judge the distance before I put my foot down and I said oh how different life has changed but young people don't think of danger like that they love roller coasters and I will never forget Haley telling me daddy I want you to go with me on this ride and I didn't want to go on the ride because I'm afraid of heights and God knew I would be afraid of heights. So he made me short so I could stay right here close to the ground. And I, I don't like heights. I don't have wings. And, and so I, I decided to be a good father and I decided to get on this ride with Haley. And as we got on the ride, the ride began to go up and without expecting it, the ride began to drop about 60 to 70 feet straight down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and as it began to go down and begin to go up, I realized that my stomach wasn't as stable as I thought that it should be. And I began to get sick and I began to get queasy because I wasn't used to all that commotion and all that roller coaster moving. That moving wasn't the problem, but the unpredictableness of the movement made my life unstable at the moment. And what normally would be progressive motion now has become something destructive because motion has started to make me 
sick because I'm no longer in control of my motion. My motion is in control of me. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean is many of us roll through life like that on a emotional roller coaster. <laughs> we go through life and life is not governed by what we think by the word of God or what we know, but it's governed by our emotions and our emotions are really what's driving the bus. Why is it important for me to get a hold of my emotions? Because emotions can be, they can be wonderful servants, but they can be horrible masters. <laughs> I know somebody who's probably in the unemployment line or been in the unemployment line before where somebody was just getting on your nerves. And if you could have just controlled your anger, not to tell them what you really wanted to tell them, you might have stayed employed a little bit longer. If you had not allowed your anger to, to get into your, your system, you, all that time, you and your husband and you and your wife, it's amazing. It can take a lifetime to build up a good relationship, but it could take only seconds to destroy it. And in just one minute of uncontrolled anger, saying something that you don't mean, you can tear down something that it took years to build. All because we can't keep control of our emotions. It's an unsettling experience. For many people, this is how their life is while they're riding their emotions. They're on a constant emotional roller coaster, making decisions based off of every feeling and whim. They are always living a reactive life. In other words, it's never proactive. They're always reacting to what's going on. They're always dealing with the next crisis. Have you ever made, met somebody who's always an emotional basket case? And every time you see them, they, you, you want to tell them, turn off the news. Please, please turn off the news. It's not that that bad. They're like chicken little. The sky is falling. Or, or that person that everybody knows when you invite them over for Thanksgiving, not to say this one thing, because if you do, they're going to go off and they're going to get set off because there's certain things you can't say because they get triggered. Because when they get to that point, they can't control their emotions. I've let you, I've come to let you know this morning that everybody has emotions, but I want you to put up this PowerPoint if we put it up there. It's the first one. And I want you to know this and take this to the bank, that if we do not manage our emotions, our emotions will damage us. Let's say that together. If we don't manage our emotions, our emotions will damage us saying things we don't mean, doing things we shouldn't do, not thinking things through. Many a marriage has been destroyed because I yielded to my emotions rather than taking a better path. And emotions are good indicators to let us know some things. But here's the thing. If you allow your emotions to drive the bus, they'll drive you right off the cliff. What are you saying? If you don't get anything else, I'm saying don't let your emotions drive the bus. Your emotions should be passengers along your life. They're good to let you know when you're happy. They're good to let you know when you're sad and there's something in your spirit that needs to be dealt with. There is even good anger. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, anger can be a good emotion because it lets me know that there's something messing with my homeostasis. There's something that's messing with my soul and I need to either fix that problem or 
I need to fix what's going on in the side of me or why I am angry. But if I do not deal with that anger, that anger will deal with me. Come here, Cain. Cain, why is your face so downtrodden? Why are you dejected? Many of you probably remember that from those of you who are coming on Wednesday nights and doing the study in Genesis. And it's an amazing study, isn't it? I'm really enjoying that study. But come here, Cain, why is your face so dejected? Why are you so angry? If you do right, I'll bless you. But if you don't deal with this emotion, sin is crouching at the door and is ready to overtake you. <laughs> you cannot be free if your emotions, if you are not free in your mind. Well, how do I become free? The Bible says this. He says, and be ye not conformed to this world. Don't do things the way the world does them, but be ye transformed or changed by the renewing of your what? Mind. The Bible says that so is a man thinketh, so is he. And, and what my emotions are are literally a reaction to what's coming to my eye gate, what's coming to my ear gate that's come down in my soul. And sometimes it makes my soul happy and sometimes it makes my soul sad. But you have to realize that if you want to have a healthy emotional life, and not be a toxic person because you can be a nice person and still be a toxic person. You can learn to come to church and get along with everybody just fine and be just nice and get home and be an emotional basket cake. You, you can come and tell everybody, well, bless the Lord and smile at everybody else. And your husband asks you where the shoes and you say, look for them. I'm tired of looking at everything. Get it yourself. You can be an emotional basket case. You can say, well, bless God and be nice to everybody else. But when you come home, you're nasty to your wife because you don't know how to manage your emotions. You lash out at other people because you don't know how to deal with the internal. And so what's internal becomes external. And the unhealthy things that are on the inside of you begin to manifest on the outside of you. And not only do you damage yourself, but you damage other people because you don't know how to handle your emotion. Victor's going to help me preach here. Come on, Victor. We're we, we, we ready to ride. Let's go. But if we're going to, to work on our emotions, we need to live our life assess our life and respond from a healthy heart. See, the Bible says that from the heart, guard your heart with all diligence. From out of the heart flows the issues of life, or in other words, it determines the course of life. Whatever you allow to upset you will determine what actions you take. And if you can't get past the point that I'm upset and learn how to deal with things wisely, you will destroy your life. That's why it said he that can control his spirit is stronger than a mighty fortress. You know why? Because sometimes the enemy doesn't have to do us in. We do ourselves in because we can't control how to act on our emotions. You on that job and you don't like that job, but you know you need that job to make ends meet right now and you don't know how to get yourself emotionally together and just go do the job. You got to be depressed all the time. You got to be dejected all the time and birds of a feather flock together so you start finding the other disgruntled and dejected people and then you're mad when all of y'all get fired. It's everybody else's fault. The man is after me. No, no, you are your own worst enemy. 
We cause so many problems in our life. Many divorces are happening in America. Why? Because none of us are emotionally healthy enough to deal with somebody that disagrees with us. We see disagreement as an attack. And as soon as our spouse doesn't look the way we think we should look, or they don't agree with everything that we say, we get offended, insecure, and we can't deal with our emotions and insecurities. And it makes us angry. And we act out of anger. And it's like a balloon that's filled with helium once those words go out you can't take them back is this helping anybody today God wants you to be free from your emotions. Proverbs 29, verse 11. You need to know what's going on in your heart. Proverbs 29, 11. Let, let's read it. Uh, it. It says this. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Let's read that again. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. If you're ever going to get to the next level in life, you got to be able to take offense sometimes. You got to be able to see some things and not open your mouth. Many of us can't understand why we why we need to snap on every and anybody. Can you imagine being Jesus? Can you imagine looking at somebody who you created? in Pilate, looking at you saying, I have the power to let you live or let you die. And Jesus thinking, I could just say, stop breathing right now. And you fall out on the floor. But the Bible says he opened not his mouth <laughs> because Jesus was meek. And what is meekness? Meekness is not weakness, but meekness is power or strength under control. Jesus was healthy on the inside. He knew who he was. So he wasn't worried about what Pilate had to say. He knew his mission. And many of us are thrown off mission and destroy our lives because we can't control our emotions. Hmm. Emotions are a response to outside stimuli, stimuli that have found their way into our soul. Proverbs 25 and 28. Let's read that together if they pull it up. But I want you to know how important it is to get a hold on your emotions. You need to get these scriptures and take them home and read them and meditate on them this week. Let's read it. It says what? Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. There's nothing wrong with sadness. There's nothing wrong with sickness. What's wrong is when you can't control it, when you can't get a grip on it. The Bible doesn't say not to weep. It says weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. But if you don't stop weeping, weeping will eventually turn into depression and depression will turn into anxiety. And anxiety will turn into some things that you don't want to be dealing with. And you'll be in so much pain that you're always looking for a way out of the pain and may do something silly or catastrophic trying to ease the pain. But the Bible says this. It says weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. <laughs> You've got to learn to give your sadness an expiration date. You can say, yes, I'm sad. I'm sad and I might be sad this week, but I've lost a loved one and it's going to take me some time to heal. But I've got to serve notice on you sadness. Although you're a good emotion, you're letting me know that there's something wrong and I need to get some healing. I'm not going to use you and be bitter towards people. I'm going to use you and get some grief counseling and the help I need so I can be healthy because joy has got to come in the morning. You 
can't stay here. This building is already occupied with the spirit of God and you can't stay. You can visit, but you can't live here. <laughs> Our emotions are indicators of things that have made their way inside and they're a barometer of our inner stasis. Sometimes when you're angry, you need to ask yourself, why am I so angry? I ask people sometimes why they get angry. I'd ask couples sometimes, why are you angry? Because he does this or she does that and this and that. And I keep asking why they're angry and they can't figure out. Well, I just told them this person is making me mad. Nobody can make you do anything. What I'm trying to get them to see is that that person isn't responsible for your emotions. You are. You are responsible for your own emotions. Well, if he just stopped doing this, I stop being mad. No, you won't. You'll just find another way to direct that anger. Deal with what's on the inside of you. It's letting you know there's something in there. You're broken and you need some fixing. And if you'll get some fixing, healthy people don't pop off and snap off at every people every, every five minutes. If you're always popping off at your husband or your wife or your coworkers, it's a prime sign that there's something on the inside of you that is broken. Emotions are supposed to be indicators to let us know that there's something broken on the inside. They are supposed to be our servants and not our leaders. Emotions are good servants, but horrible masters. Emotions should serve us. They should not lead or control us because when we stop governing our behavior and let emotions drive the bus, things start to deteriorate quickly. There are many a couple that still would be together if one of them would have said, or oh, both of them, I need to get some counseling. And I don't need to go to the marriage counselor to so they can tell you how crazy you are and tell me that I'm right. No, I need to fix me. So I can deal with you until you get through. I need to fix myself. It's amazing how much we're always trying to fix everybody else. We can see everybody else's faults, but we can't see our own. Emotions are good servants, but they're horrible masters. And we don't want things to deteriorate. It's not on the screen today, but I want you to go back and I want you to look at Numbers chapter 27, verses 12 through 15. Why? Because Moses is a prime example of what happens when you don't deal with your emotions. Moses was angry. Moses was upset. He was raised in a, in a time when genocide was happening in the land. Moses didn't have a preschool class of boys. You know why? <laughs> because all the boys his age were murdered by Pharaoh. <laughs> and then he was raised in a house that wasn't his own. Torn between learning to be Egyptian and learning to be Hebrew, torn between his people and the Egyptian people, Moses felt dejected and rejected. And even when he tried to be part of one, he was never part of either one. And because he wasn't emotionally healthy, when the time came, Moses couldn't deal with his anger. So rather than just stopping an Egyptian from hurting a Hebrew, he decides to kill a Hebrew. It ends in murder because he can't get a hold of his emotions. 
<laughs> so he figures I'll run away. I'll run away and go to another spot. And God is in that plan. But if you don't learn to manage your emotions, they will still damage you. God will still use you and you will not, and you will be blessed, but you won't receive all of the things. Thank you, brother Bob, that God is, God, God has for you. You think Moses would be healthy after 40 years on the backside of the desert, but because Moses never dealt with his anger, God had told him, speak to the rock and water will come out. But he, Moses was a pastor, and I can understand Moses' frustration because pastors pass the sheep. Uh, the Bible said that we are the sheep of his pasture. And, and, and it's amazing that God uses the term sheep because do you know sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet? They can't even feed themselves. <laughs> They have to be led to food. Can you imagine being Moses and waking up and, and you need help, but everybody's not helping and complaining? Why, 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 why are we not moving forward? We stuck in the desert, Moses. We, we, we were better off here. You, I just set you free, but you, you're complaining about you don't have no food. Now you got bread. Now you complain about the bread. Now you're complaining about, you complaining about this and you complain about that. I gave you water back here. Now you complaining that you don't have meat. It sounds like Moses was a modern day pastor where he had a church full of people that's always complaining about what's not happening, but they never working to do anything about it. Moses sounds like a pastor today. I talk to pastors all around the human nature doesn't change and after a while Moses said you know what I'm sick of coming to church and doing everything and everything I'm supposed to do and nobody wants to give nobody wants to help nobody wants to do that I'm not talking to y'all y'all do good I'm not talking to you I'm just I just so you don't get in your feelings and, and, uh, but but at the same time Moses was one of these people who had seen this and had a rebellious people he was shepherding and they were complaining again and God said speak to the rock and let the water give and Moses was sick of them and so Moses turned around he didn't speak to it he hit it and he said you can have some water you rebels and, and, and what he was really saying he was saying something he probably shouldn't have said and he strikes that rock and God uses him he could have made it to the promised land but in Numbers 27 we see 12 through 15 we see God bring Moses and say come here Moses he says, yes, God. He says, I promise you that you see the land. It's a land that I will show you. I want you to stand on this mountain, Moses. And yes, God, it looks nice, doesn't it, Moses? Yes, God. I spent 40 years of my life on the backside of the Moses is about 120 years old by that time. He was about 40 when he left Egypt the first time. He stayed in Midian probably about 40 years. He led the children of Israel for about 40 years. He devoted his whole life to them and he gets right to the prize that he's worked his whole life for. And God says, it's flowing with milk and honey, isn't it? Isn't it, Moses? Yeah, God, it looks good. Uh, just one thing, Moses, what? Remember when I told you to, to speak to the rock? And you decided that you wanted to get in your feelings and you hit the rock. That you allowed your feelings to make you mistreat my people. Yeah, they might be dumb sheep, but they my sheep, Moses. And you can't let your, your feelings make you abuse what's mine. Because <laughs> you're a dumb sheep too, Moses. We all dumb sheep. <laughs> so I'm going to let you see it. <clears throat> but I'm not going to let you have it. I'm going to let somebody else go into the promised land. Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land because he couldn't be free from his emotion. Come here, Saul. Saul 
started a downward spiral. He was supposed to wait for, for the prophet to get there to, 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 to do a sacrifice. But people got scared and they started leaving. And so he allowed his anxiety to make him get ahead of God. And so he decided, instead of waiting for Samuel for the sacrifice, Saul decides, and and I believe it's First Kings thirteen, somewhere around there, he uh, First Samuel thirteen and thirteen, to do the sacrifice for himself. And God was displeased. He said, "Why did you do that?" He said, "Because the people were leaving, and I and I felt compelled. In other words, I allowed my emotions to drive my actions, and I decided to get ahead of God. And it wasn't too long after that that he did one other thing, and the whole kingdom was ripped away." from him. I want to speak to somebody whose marriage is on the edge, but it's not beyond repair. Whose friendship is on the edge, but it's not beyond repair. Whose job may be on the line, but it can be fixed. You are on the edge and God will let you keep it. If you learn to get healing on the inside and deal with your emotions and stop letting them drive the bus. I just can't get over what she said to me or what she did to me. Be a man. A man is mightier than the stronger fortress. He that can guard his spirit, the Bible says, is stronger than a mighty fortress. If you're a man in the household, it may get tough. And your wife may say some things to you that really make you mad. But you're a man and God's called you to man up and to lift up and to step up and build up. And it may get hard sometimes. But that's what makes you a man is that you don't fly off the handle. Every time something bothers you, you can control your emotions. That means you have to bite your lips sometimes. That means you might have to go take a walk sometimes. That means sometimes you might have to go to the mall and just walk around uh, or get in the car and say everything you want to say while you're in the car. Get it out your system and come back with a smile on your face. You got to work it until you learn to control it. Brother Dave, have you ever had to get in the car and drive around every married man and have to get in the car at some point in time and, and drive around? Brother Keith, have you ever had to get in the car and drive around and say everything you want your wife? or your pastor or Jesus to heal and get it out your system and then come back like Brother Bob laughing. He's been there too. Victor, you've been married. You know how it is. And ladies, you like that too. Sometimes you have to get off, but sometimes y'all don't get in the car. Y'all just fire off right there and let us have it and give it to us. (laughs) But sometimes, sometimes some of the stuff your husband says makes you want to fire off, but you have to bite your lip. How many times have you told your husband to do one thing and it's starting to irritate you and you don't realize there's something wrong with my patience and you have to bite your lip. You have to hold your tongue. Can I submit to you that the tongue is the heaviest thing in the world because nobody seems to be able to hold it. We allow our emotions to get the best of us. We say stuff to people we love that we really don't mean because we're broken on the inside. And then we break somebody that we love. And sometimes we break them to the point of disrepair. You may not get that relationship back, but you can fix yourself for the next ones. You may not get that marriage back. I know that's hard to hear, but you can fix yourself for the next one. This is what I have to get to you. The problem is, and if you remember this from a previous sermon series, I talked about us being functionally dysfunctional. 
Do you know you can be able and still not be stable? I'll say that again. Many of us are able, but we're not stable. We're able to get married, but not stable enough to stay married. We're able to get friends and relationships, but we're not stable enough to keep them around for very long. Well, we're, we're able to get jobs, but not stable enough to keep them. Unhealed wounds in your life can cause your emotions to raise up in your life. But rather than allow emotions to uh, rather than allow emotions alert us to the fact that we need healing, we will respond negatively. I want you to be able and stable, able to get married and able to stay married. Does that mean that problems and trouble won't come to your house, but you don't allow problems and troubles to make you make catastrophic decisions and say things that you don't really me because you can't rule your own mouth and your own spirit you grown get yourself together it doesn't allow it means that you're able to have children but you're going to be stable and you're not going to wound children and say nasty negative ugly things to children out of your frustration they didn't ask to be here they didn't ask to come here i know sometimes they get on your nerve but you don't talk to them like that the problem is not what's broken in them problem is what's broken my kids make me custom I know they don't they not one time pry your mouth open you cussing and jumping and fussing because something's broken in you don't you want to be free don't you want to be able to see things and not have to react to everything that happens in your life? To be able to go through trouble and have us have a storm on the outside, but not a storm on the inside. The Lord spoke to my heart one day. I was sitting in that foyer. I was going through a storm in my life, and the and the, and the, the wind was blowing so much that I didn't even realize that the handicap uh, signs actually bent, and they had bent to the ground, and what tree out there had bent to the ground. And the Lord spoke to me, and He said, "You see how that wind is going?" I said, "Yeah, Lord, I'm going through." And He said, "You see how you're standing in this building, and you can't you can see it, but you can't feel it." I said, "Yeah." He said, "That's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to do Psalms 91. I'm going to keep you." in the shadow <laughs> and I'm going although the stuff is going around on you I'm going to make sure that you are not going to be destroyed on the inside by what's going on on the outside you're about to go through some tough storms in your life but if you'll just allow me to help you I'll keep what's on the inside protected from what's on the outside how do you do that you've got to get proper perspective and get control of your emotions so God will allow you can't stop sickness from happening you can't stop accidents and wrecks you can't stop financial hardship sometimes you can't control what's happening on the outside but God has given you the ability to keep it from getting on the inside People won't know why you're losing your job and you still got peace. Why you, why your husband and your wife left you, but you still got a smile on your face because I'm emotionally free and I'm not going to let what's on the outside keep me from being free on the inside. Hallelujah. God's given me a peace 
that passes all understanding. David gives us a prescription for being free in the, in the scriptures that I just gave you. And I'm going to let them pull them up in steps. David is angry because his enemies are God's enemies and they're doing wrong things. But David didn't let his motions drive the bus. He wanted God to search him and his motives and check his heart so that he wouldn't become a slave to his anger. So if we're going to be free, you talked about all this, Pastor, well, how do I be free? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's on the screen. Let's look at what step one says. What does step one say? Be open and honest with God and myself. Search me. There comes that scripture again. Search me, God, and know my heart. You can't be honest with other people until you're honest with yourself. He wasn't asking God to search him. God knows where everything is. God's not like me. I misplace my keys all the time. God knows exactly where his stuff is. What David is saying is, I need to be honest with myself. I need to take a hard look at myself. Search me and know my heart. And I'm going to tell you this. Do not try to hide your feelings acknowledge your feelings. I'm not saying pretend that you don't have emotion. This is especially important for men because rather than acknowledge and manage emotion, we're taught to pretend that we don't have any. And in an attempt to appear strong, we become weak and you hold all the anger inside until it turns into rage and a murder charge or rage and domestic abuse or all these other things. You got to un be understanding and say, I'm hurt right now. And I need to be honest that I'm hurt. I'm upset right now, and I need to be upset right now. Keep step one on the screen, because I want them reading this while I'm talking. I want you to say, I, I need you, God, to help me. Show me myself. Right now, what you said just made me mad. Don't say it out loud to them, but in your mind, say, what you said just made me angry. Acknowledge. Don't, don't put on the churchy face. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored and nothing you say can bother me. No, that's how, how you explode. You keep ignoring what's going on into you until too much pressure, as we say it down south, will bust the pipe. And after a while, what's in you is going to come out. Be honest with yourself. I'm feeling sadness right now. I'm feeling anger right now. I'm feeling depression. I'm feeling anxiety. Be honest with yourself because once you're honest, you can ask the next question. Everybody say, why? Why, why am I feeling it? And why is never, almost never, because they did something to you. Sometimes it is. People do damaging things to you, and, and it's no fault of your own. And sometimes you're a victim, and, and, and I feel for those people who have been victims of hurt and things like that. And, and because sometimes we're hurting, and sometimes we hurt other people. We live in a messy world. Things like that happen. But you got to be honest with yourself. That's why he asked Cain that. Why is your heart so downcast? He wanted Cain to take a look. And itself. He was giving him mercy and a chance. So step one is to be open and honest with God. Let's go to step two. Let's read it together. I need to be honest about what the word is showing me concerning myself. Whew. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. I need to be honest that 
God has called me to love my wife and I'm not loving her like I need to. And my anger is causing me to injure her. And the word says, live, dwell with your wife according to knowledge and, and be not harsh with her. And I'm harsh and yelling all the time. And I don't want to read this scripture because every scripture that makes you that steps on your toes, you don't want to read. And that's the one you need to read the most. Lord, Lord, step on my toes. I had something that I was listening to a pastor preach and, and, and it irritated me. And I, you know what I did? I hit play again and I hit play again because I said I need it. I need it and I don't want to hear it and I feel my flesh resisting it. And that's why we grow in the church. Don't run from people who are preaching the truth. A lot of times we run to people who tell us what we want to hear and we end up in the same old situation. But if you're going to grow, you got to stop running from folks that tell you, you got to start running for folks to tell you what you want to hear and start running to people who tell you what you need to hear. The Bible says I can get my husband and went over my husband with a quiet and gentle, humble spirit. Am I quiet, gentle, feminine? Or am I loud and abrasive? The Bible says, provoke my, not your children to wrath. Am I, am I really loving my kids and lovingly correcting them? Or am I wounding them every time I open my mouth? You do know you can stab somebody without laying a hand on them. That's why people start crying sometimes. You can hit somebody, they won't cry. You can say one word and tears will start to flow. Sometimes the words you use can be more damaging than your fist. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. That's why it's important you got to get in this word every day. It's important you got to show up to Bible study. Our Bible study is growing and we're having a good time even after we shut off the feed uh, uh, Sunday, uh, Wednesday. I know we had probably about 10 or 15 minutes. I had to shut it down. It was, it was so good. It was good. But that's what we need and we need to do it at home as well. Why? Because if we're going to grow, we got to allow the word to read our mail. We got to stop running to preachers. Who tell us what we want to hear and start listening to preachers that tell us what we need to hear. Number three. <laughs> Let's read it. Put your emotions in the right seat and put God on the leading throne. <laughs> that last part of the scripture he says is lead me in the way everlasting. That's the problem. You don't need to deny that you have emotions. But guess what? If I went on to a public transit bus or a metro bus in Detroit and I saw a five-year-old in the seat, I probably would turn around and decide I'm going to walk. Because a five-year-old makes a good passenger, but probably not going to be the best driver or know how to use air brakes. I'm probably not going to get on the bus while that five-year-old is driving. But how much many of us walk through life and we know we got anger issues? You know what the best way to know if you got anger issues or sadness issues? If somebody always says, why are you so angry all the time? You say, I'm not mad. I feel fine. You ever done that? Somebody said, why are you always yelling? I'm not yelling. Why are you always so critical and nasty? I'm not nasty. You know what that means. You are. But you can't see it. You need to let the word read your mail. There's nothing wrong with anger. There's nothing wrong with sadness. In a certain point, Jesus even, the shortest scripture in the Bible says what? Jesus wept. He tells us to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. But I want you to be free today. 
I'm not telling you to put your emotions off the bus. I'm telling you to stop letting them drive the bus. You'll be a lot freer when what's going on on the outside is not affecting you on the inside. Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety right now. Somebody's listening to me right now in the future that's going to be dealing with anxiety. So I'm going to take step one and I'm going to be honest that I'm dealing with anxiety. Talk about me if you want, but yeah, I'm saved and I'm dealing with depression. Well, you're not delivered. You should be delivered. That's fine for you, but I'm saved and I'm dealing with depression. Just be honest with yourself. Yeah, I'm dealing with depression. Not me personally, but I'm telling somebody who's dealing with it. Be honest. Yes, I'm dealing with depression. Now I've got to be honest with myself. Then I got to go through step two. I got to look at what the word says about joy. I got to let the word combat what's going on on the inside of me. And after I'm honest about what the word is showing me about this, then I got to start saying, okay, I see you here, depression. You don't belong here. You, you're here to alert me to something. But now I've got to get rid of you. Weeping and joy, do it for a night. But joy comes in the morning. I'm going to let God's word lead me. I'll no longer be led by my emotions. How many of us have at least, let's be honest, at least one emotional decision that you made that if you could take it back right now, you would? One thing you allowed your anger to make you do, that destroyed your life. That's not God's will for you. That's the thief. The thief comes but for to kill and to steal and destroy. I come that you may have life and you have it more abundantly. In the Greek it means to the full till it overflows. Today, as we close, and they start to play, oh, come to the altar, I want to ask you a question. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to walk in a house where your husband's glad to see you coming and your wife's glad to see you open the door? Don't you want to be in a house where your kids smile when you walk in instead of drop their head and run away? Don't you want a work environment where people gravitate to you and not run from you? Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to let go of depression and sickness and sadness? Today you can be. It's time to be emotional free, emotionally free. Let's stand. Is this helping anybody be free today? Every head bowed, every eye closed as Brother Dave gets ready to come and the prayer team comes.